Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I am your host, Matt Herman, and this week we are tuning up the Camaro. We're popping some electric light orchestra into the eight track, because baby, the Bundesliga is ruled again by the team of the 70s, Borussia Mönchengladbach. In the spirit of the times, I, an old timer with a full three and a half years of 70s experience, have called another season pro up this evening. It is Mark Lovell. How you been keeping, Mark? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was also born in the 70s. 1970. Yeah. I figured you might That have. was the year that England lost to Germany in the World Cup. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Exactly. Exactly. When does that ever happen? Yeah. Well, it wasn't on penalties. It was an extra time in Mexico as world champions. And that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, the last time uh, England really impressed on the World Cup stage, you know, they did reach the semi-finals, you know, uh, lost to Croatia. I, I blame myself for that because I was looking at flights to Moscow at halftime with England leading 1-0. So that, that was my fault. Sorry, England fans, but... Uh, I digress now. We talk about the Bundesliga, Matt. <laughs> I think you're probably in pretty good company. I think we can spread the blame around everyone who was uh, searching online for flights at halftime. Yeah, as, as we just mentioned at the top of the show, the Foles are at the top of the Bundesliga. This is a strange turn of events and one that, uh, you know, we'll see how long it lasts, but we got to savor it while it's here. We've got a lot to talk about here on, you know, Talking Foosball's Match Day 7 edition. We'll talk about how that came to pass and uh, how many slip-ups it took for that to happen. Don't go away. All right, let's kick off part one of Talking Foosball. I am here with Mark Lovell. What happened this week, Mark? You know, just when I leave you from Germany over the past year, just when you, you know, leave your sort of intense focus on Bayern Munich, we have to talk about them again. I'm sorry. Hoffenheim? Hoffenheim, the team that had scored one goal in the last four games, the team that had gotten punked by Gladbach, by Freiburg in that stretch, the team that had begun to look like a really strong candidate to reconsider their decision to hire a really untested coach to take over from Julian Nagelsmann. This is the team that beats Bayern at the Allianz. What a story. Absolutely crazy. It just shows you how quickly things change in football. Bayern went to Spurs and won 7-2 on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and you you could sense that, uh, you know, the German media were saying, this is a this is a treble winning team. We're going to you know, Bayern are going to win the Champions League, are going to win the Bundesliga, going to win the German Cup, we're going to win this, going to win that. And then a few days later, they lose to Hoffenheim, a home, a Hoffenheim side that have never won in Munich in 18 attempts. Yeah, and um, that just shows you what a crazy game this is. You know, so things change so quickly in football. That I think I wrote nine previews for the Bundesliga for who scored. And mm-hmm. I got seven or eight of them right. Obviously, I didn't get this one right. <laughs> with, a, with a notable exception or two. Yeah, I don't think I was alone on that in tipping a Bayern win. You know, they were very impressive against the Spurs, you know, albeit a very demoralised uh, side, not really putting it in for Pochettino, perhaps. You know, there's, there's problems there, but Bayern, you know, you don't score seven goals at... 
you know, the Champions League finalist last year without uh, being a very good side. It was one of those nights when every chance that they had hit the back of the net and they were indebted to Manuel Neuer playing out of his skin, you know, and coming back to the sort of form that we all know. But, yeah, it's a crazy game. Some things you just can't explain. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain not only just in the sense of the, the you know, the pileup of good results for Bayern and bad results for Hoffenheim coming into this game. But even some of the, the sort of subplots of this game were pretty weird. I mean, mm. Sargis Adamian, this is a guy who, he was basically a lower league journeyman who had never scored a Bundesliga goal until Saturday and then gets a brace in Munich to beat the defending champs. That's It's, it's I, I'm agog. A couple of nice finishes. Yeah. I think both both of them went through Jerome Boateng's legs on their way past Manuel Neuer. And this, this is a striker they signed from a Bavarian team, uh, Regensburg, for 1.5 million euros. So he, he, he had some talent there, but he's a late bloomer. And uh, But he's certainly shot to attention now with those two goals. If you scored twice against... Uh, Bayern Munich, you're, you're set for bigger things, you know. You have a striker, Hertha Berlin, um, that was playing for uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf last season. Luca Bacchio, who's, uh, you know, he sent Bayern into crisis last autumn. So it'd be interesting to see what happens to this Hoffenheim striker this time around and whether Bayern are on for their annual autumn crisis Certainly, the things that we've been reading in the German media, you know, a few days after everyone was saying this is a, you know, a treble-winning potential side and Robert Lewandowski's the greatest ever striker, full stop, you know, we just have to calm down sometimes. And uh, I think the international break comes at a good time for Bayern so they can take stock already today that Rummenigge has tried to um, maybe... Uh, I don't know. Change, change the subject by having a having a go at the French Federation about their uh, calling up of an injured player in in Hernandez. And uh, so, you know, I think, uh, like I said, the international break will come at a, a good time. It maybe takes the focus off disgruntled players like Javi Martinez and Thomas Muller, who you know have been treated a bit harshly, perhaps by Nico Kovac. But when you're winning games 7-2, the coach is right. But when you're losing 2-1 to Hoffenheim, you come under increased focus and criticism, scrutiny, and uh, the media jungle in Munich gets uh, a very serious place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're making sort of oblique reference to the fact that uh, <laughs> you have been around the block with Bayern a few times. You've, you know, either lived in the area or or covered the team for, for quite a number of years, and you've seen this annual Bayern crisis thing sort of rear its ugly or attractive head, depending on which way you want to look at it. Do you see this period in time as different? I mean, we spent most of last season talking about Bayern in transition, how they were trying to move away from several older players. You know, we had a couple of guys retire, a couple of guys left to leave the club uh, under more or less good terms. But they definitely tried to sort of hit a bit of a restart button with some of their big ticket purchases like Hernandez, like Coutinho, like Benjamin Pavar. I mean, 
Where do they stand in this rebuild at this point? I mean, it's it's interesting to me that we're experiencing such a pileup at the top of the Bundesliga. There's really not looking like a, a dominant team at the moment. Every, every team has sort of seemed fairly fallible. I mean, how do you like Bayern's chances to get it right and sort of become that dominant team again? Or do you feel like the issues are fundamental enough that they have a decent chance of, of not finishing top? I think they'll win the Bundesliga for the eighth year in succession. And I think they'll win it by double digit points because the rest of the teams are not of the same caliber. Leipzig are probably the best of the bunch behind them. But I think if Bayern stick with Kovac, it worked last year. That was Borussia Dortmund's chance to win the Bundesliga and they blew it. They were nine points clear and coasting and somehow they lost it. I don't see Bayern, if they do not press the panic button with, with Kovac, they stick with him, they're, they're the best side in Bundesliga, full stop. They'll win it. Simple. I see. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I feel like that's actually a pretty strong chance for that to happen, considering what we have seen in the last few weeks from both Leipzig and Dortmund. We'll be talking about those guys later, but... Is there something else that gives you confidence in this team? I mean, I assume that you have been sort of impressed by Coutinho's start with Bayern, because I certainly have been. Absolutely. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be a real asset, especially in the in the latter stages of the Champions League. You know, you don't need players like Coutinho for the, for the likes of Paderborn, Cologne, Union Berlin, Fortuna Düsseldorf, Augsburg. You need him for the big European nights. That's when he can make a difference. Yeah, so you need the likes of Javi Martinez, a real good club stalwart for for the for the Bundesliga. But the bread and butter, the you know the business end of that, he can he can do a job. And Thomas Muller, yeah, he hasn't he's been on the bench. What is it? Five games in a row. He needs to get a game. You know, he's, he hasn't been the same player maybe for a couple of seasons, but if you put him on the bench, how's that going to, you know, he needs to get out of this slump, and the only way he can do that is by playing games. And you saw by his introduction as a substitute, he, he laid on the goal for Lewandowski. He's the best assist provider in the Bundesliga, and Lewandowski plays better with him. Um, yeah, he should be. He sh- they have to find a role for him, or they have to get rid of him because... You know, unhappy players. He may be a big club man and a stalwart, but you know, Bayern got rid of Hummels. They've got rid of these sort of players before who don't see eye to eye with the coach. He's going to have to assess his future. Yeah, I was a little bit puzzled actually that uh, Kovac hasn't figured out a way, especially with uh, Thomas Müller, to get him minutes. I mean, I understand that that you know, Bayern's you know big money man is still new at the club and needs to get as many reps as he can with this new team to sort of get into a a full rhythm. But at the same time, (laughs) overlooking a a club legend like Thomas Müller, who still has something to contribute, even if what he has to contribute might just be, you know, starting in games against, you know, lower half teams at home. I mean, 
that can be a really big way to, to to fire a team towards a title. If they could get three points out of this game instead of zero, that would get them towards your you know predicted double-digit margin at the top a lot quicker. And if you can keep a guy like Thomas Müller happy at the same time and not maybe talking to the press, I'm sure he has a lot of friends in the, uh, the Munich media that he has built up over the years. Anytime big-name players, especially ones with a long tenure at Bayern, find themselves on the outside looking in, you know, the, the stories are going to come that, you know, that they're unhappy, that the coach isn't doing the right thing, that he's making the wrong decisions, that there's dressing room unrest. I mean, it would seem to me that, that it would be a no-brainer to give him some more minutes. Well, especially after the, you know, the destruction of Spurs on Tuesday, yeah. you know, and they, they had played a lot of games in recent weeks. It would have been too easy to put the likes of... Uh, Muller and Perisic, who were fresh and raring to go, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know. So, you know, it's it's good for the Bundesliga that Bayern have lost the game because, um, you know, we have plenty to talk about. Real quick before we leave this subject behind, we kind of, you know, we're showering Robert Lewandowski with praise last week and talking about the pace of goal scoring that he is on. You know, now he's up to 11 goals in seven games. How do you like his chances to... Uh, give old Gerd Müller a run for his money this season? Oh, he's, he's different class. He's one of the best strikers in the world. I will, you know, I will always be one of his biggest fans, but I'll always be one of his biggest critics too, Matt, because he's now, you know, he's, he's done this, he started the season great. Let's see him do it at the busiest end of the season in the Champions League. I'll give you a stat... He hasn't scored in the knockout stages of the Champions League for eight games. Okay, so let's talk again in March and April and see see if he's broke that duck. Yep, yep. I think the last time he really took over a game in the knockout stages, he was playing in yellow and black, which uh, gives you an idea of how long it's been. Yeah, I was at that game and he... Mourinho's been trying to sign him ever since. You know, he scored four, like a brilliant finisher, but great quick feet, good header of the ball, as you could see on Saturday. You know, just, but you've got these big game players like Ronaldo and Messi and even Harry Kane. Yeah, you're going to score a goal in a big game. Lewandowski hasn't done that for me. So, yeah, but he's, you know, he's still got time, but he never gets injured. You know, what are Bayern going to do if he gets injured? That is a big yeah. question. They'll certainly, they'll certainly need Muller then, but he's not amazing. You know, they're going to have to re-sign Sandro Wanger from uh, <laughs> well, China. Well, you know, I think he'll be ready. He'd be happy to be back in the spotlight. God forbid that Lewandowski gets injured, yeah? So, whew. All right, winding things back. To, to Saturday morning, and morning it was for me in Wisconsin watching Match Day 7. I, of course, I was dead set on, on watching the best game I thought was on offer in the morning. That was Leverkusen-Leipzig. It really looked like the best one. And, and in one sense, it was. it was. It was a great game from an entertainment perspective. I think only Paderborn Mites could equal it in combined XG at, you know, 4.12. Lots of chances on both sides. Lots of attacking football, tactically interesting table-topping implications. You know, either side could have gone top, at least temporarily, if it had won. But, you know, it just wasn't a shock home loss by Bayern Munich. So when I saw the score of the Bayern game at the end of that one, you know, I, I felt like maybe I, I missed out on something. 
Anyway, it, it was a much stronger performance from Leverkusen against a top side. We, we've talked them down on this podcast at times uh, for getting outclassed by the best teams in the division that they have faced, uh, you know, not only this season, but last, but, you know, Befau Bay really put the hurt on them. Juventus crushed them in the, the Champions League. But this time, Leverkusen played Leipzig fairly evenly. What do you make of, of Leverkusen this season, Mark? Well, I like the football they play. I like their coach. I'm glad to see him, you know, getting another chance at a good German club, Peter Bosch. You know, he things turn really quickly sour at Borussia Dortmund, but they were playing some lovely football there, so... It's good to see him back in the Bundesliga, and they have some they have some really good attacking talent, Leverkusen, and they were top of the table for about twenty minutes there when uh, Kevin Forland, ex eighteen sixty Munich legend, he opened the scoring. Both these sides, of course, Matt Leverkusen, Leipzig, coming off bad Champions League defeats, yeah. so they they were looking for a reaction, and uh, Leverkusen with home advantage, you know, might have. Uh, expected to win that game having taken the league but uh, Leipzig fought back and the uh, new signing from PSG Ninkunku got the equaliser so you know I did tip a draw and uh, managed to get one right um, but you know, Leipzig is dropping too many points recently and the goals are drying up for Timo Werner um, since he signed that new contract yeah, yeah, that's a, a bit of a shame timing-wise for for Leipzig after they were really riding high for the first you know five weeks of the season for them to sort of trip over their 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 shoelaces at this point is a real big bummer. But at least they are in good company. I mean, this was a match day of of slip ups from just about all of the teams we thought before the season were going to be, you know, making the running in this league. Among them also Borussia Dortmund, who of course now have an extremely strange narrative gathering around them. They've got, you know, big results in the Champions League thus far, but ever since that competition started, they cannot get a win in the Bundesliga, even when they have a lead. Three games, three 2-2 draws now, first against Frankfurt, then against Bremen, now against Freiburg. And mm. each each team in this game, you know, they, each team got one pretty goal and one sloppy goal. Fair enough. Uh, we talked last week on this podcast about Bayfabe's chance conversion rate being, you know, pretty poor, and and wondering if their luck might soon change. Giving up an injury time. <laughs> Own goal equalizer is not uh, changing luck. Uh, but there is, of course, another storyline in that this time it wasn't about chance conversion or anything like that. I mean, Dortmund, they only got eight shots off and, and two big chances. This is not really enough to expect a whole lot better in, in a game like this. What, what do you think is going wrong at Dortmund, Mark? Well, it seems to be lots of questions being asked about their coach, Lucien Favre's tactics. They're missing... You know, the, the more clinical finishing of uh, Paco Alcacer, the, the ex-Barcelona striker. He, he can put chances away. And their defence isn't... You know, they missed Mats Hummels when he was injured against Bremen, letting two bad goals. He came back. Is he 100% fit? Um, two more goals, sloppy goals against Freiburg. Defence isn't, you know, isn't a Bundesliga-winning defence. And their goalkeeper Roman Berkey, yeah, he may be a lovely bloke, but he's not—he's not, not going to win you a Bundesliga. Sorry. Yeah, you know, we had comments from both Awesome Bill and Boyan on Twitter asking about 
the tactics that they perceive Lucien Favre as pursuing once they get a lead, mm. basically saying that he, he seems to want to make the decision to get a lead, then sit on it for the last 15, 20, however many minutes he needs to, and you know, just try and white knuckle it a little bit instead of continuing to play on the front foot, which is really what that that side is built to do. Do you see that there might be some truth in that or is that a misinterpretation of how things are going? They're certainly not playing with the confidence. You know, when you go up, 1-0 up and, you know, let the ball circulate, play your pretty passing football, they seem to be suffering from, like, stage fright, cramp, you know, and getting tense and giving the ball away and, you know, not going on to express themselves as they would normally do and play this free-flowing football. And when it goes wrong, the coach is always going to be the one that gets the criticism. You know, the players aren't, you know, performing out there 100%. And, you know, the interviews that they give after the game, it it expresses all their tension and, and nerves and they're getting upset by the most banal of questions about their mentality and their captain you know Marco Royce is he a captain you know he doesn't strike me as being a real you know out and out captain material that would probably you know be passed to someone like Matt Summers yeah it's interesting that you know when the sort of mentality gate happened <laughs> uh, when when Marco Royce was asked after that Frankfurt match how how they had sort of managed to squander that lead so late and was it a problem of mentality and he he of course sort of snapped back that that was you know a, a bullshit question quote unquote mm. is what he what he said basically and at the time i th- took that as as sort of <laughs> you know a charming honesty or a charming like uh I don't know, lack of patience for a fairly unsophisticated spin on on our results. But, you know, the more the more weeks go by when they blow leads and end up getting 2-2 draws against teams that they have no business drawing against, at least on paper, the more it really does seem like there might be something there. I don't want to say necessarily that it's mentality, but there is something about this team that is there's a heaviness to the way that they talk to the press. There seems to be a heaviness to the way that they play the last few minutes of matches, thinking that uh, in, in the back of their heads they might be in for another dose of this. I don't know. It, it's it's beginning to feel like there's not a good cloud settling over this team. Mm. So, well, they made so, so many good on paper signings yes. over the summer, and there was a very positive atmosphere at the club, and this is going to be the season. Uh, that they're going to win the Bundesliga. But last season was the chance that they had. They were nine points clear, and, and Bayern had their worst side of the decade. That was their chance. They blew it. So maybe there's a little bit of a hangover and uh, spreading on to this season, even with the uh, you know the acquisition of a few few more decent players. But you know what they really need is some strength in the dressing room and a real you know a you know, a powerhouse character. To, you know with a great mentality. How about that, Marco Royce? (laughs) Interesting. Uh, I mean, I think playing on something of what you just said there about all the good purchases they made this summer, I would agree that they they picked up a lot of nice players. Uh, One of them being Julian Brandt. You know, I think that the list could go on, but in some ways, a big squad full of big names who have big expectations becomes a little bit harder to manage at times. And I don't want to say that Brandt is uh, beginning to lose his patience, but at least he did admit 
uh, after training on Sunday before he met up with the Germany squad, that he he does find his situation with Dortmund difficult, he said. And he mentioned, you know, that what a good game he had had in the Champions League and how disappointed he was to start on the bench again. I mean, it seems to me that it could get into a tricky situation with with either a player like Brandt, who is sort of on 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 the upswing in his career, or some of the the stories that had you know come out earlier in the season about uh, Mario Götze, who sort of maybe is is on the back end of his his peak in his career, but still has a lot to offer, as he showed in the Bremen game. I mean, they got to turn this around. Absolutely, he, he's got he's got loads of attacking. Players there with loads of potential, and he left Sancho on the bench till the hour mark. You know, he's got Torgan Hazard. Yeah, they all need to be rested at the right time, and the, but they all demand a certain amount of playing time. It's a very tricky job for a coach. And look at last season at Bayern with Nico Kovac and trying to pacify uh, Frank Ribery, and in his final season, he was probably uh, you know sort of uh, half pleased that Ian Robin was, was injured a lot of the time, so he didn't have that tricky decision to make. It's, it's very difficult to keep these top players happy all of, all of the time, you know. Yeah. And let's face it, Hummels, Hummels left Bayern because he didn't get on with uh, Nico Kovac, so he'd, he'd uh, go back to Dortmund where it... Uh, where he'd won Bundesliga before. Yeah, I, I think we've now probably waited long enough to get to the big the biggest strangest news of the week we might even say that we 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 slow played it but for me the most out of there news uh, for this week although you know the mathematical inevitability is that it would happen if everybody else lost and they won Borussia Mönchengladbach are top of the Bundesliga they beat Augsburg 5-1 scoring four goals in the first half through a, a Zakaria opener, a brace from the uh, tastefully named Patrick Hamann, and uh, a gift-wrapped special from Tomasz Kubek. Mark, this was an extremely timely explosion from the Foles, and, and I guess it, it maybe isn't a coincidence that it came against a very, very bad side in Augsburg. Yeah, they're, they're struggling defensively, Augsburg, but... This was a great performance, a real powerhouse in the first half, especially when you consider they were playing in, in, in Europe on the Thursday, didn't arrive back in, in Mönchengladbach till the Friday, so a very uh, short turnover and preparation for the game. Uh, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, I thought, you know, he, after the European League, you get a, a lot of flat performances sometimes. So. Oh, yeah, and a very turmoil-filled Europa League game, and that uh, you know the fans were had had a tough time with some of those cops in in Turkey. Yeah, absolutely, and it's great to see you glad about at the top of the Bundesliga. How long has it been, Matt? I'm sure you have that stuff. It's, it's been since it's uh, been 20, over, over 20, 30 years. Well, they've been they've been top for a short time anyway. They were top once under Favre, I believe, in uh, 2011-2012 was uh, as as far as I could see the last time, but it didn't last long. That's uh, it's it's. it's Good to see, and they've got some. Yeah, you know, he's a great coach, Marco Rosa. Yeah, he's he's set for, for even uh, bigger things than Mujin Gladbach. Uh, but it's you know he's he's proved his weight at Ripple Salzburg, and now he's come over to the Bundesliga, and uh, he's you know, he didn't have the greatest of, of starts there. They you know their home form hasn't been great this season up until this game. Yeah. 
They scrambled to a win uh, 2-1 against Fortuna Dusseldorf, coming from behind. But up in that, until that time, I think they hadn't won at home, including last season, for 10 or 11 games. So, you know, it's, it's funny. Like I said at the start of the programme, it's funny how things change so quickly in football. Yeah, let, let's go in on uh, Marco Rosa a little bit more. We got a somewhat unexpected uh, reply to our, our listeners' poll this morning asking us about which topics they wanted to hear the most about. It turned out that Marco Rosa and the Foles is the top one. It was certainly uh, echoed by none other than former U.S. men's national team international Lexi Lawless, you know, today's uh, Fox Sports TV and podcast extraordinaire. Uh, he wants to hear about Marco Rosa. So let's, let's talk about Marco Rosa, that the people have spoken. I was very interested to see how sort of calmly and in and, and what a measured tone he responded, not only to the fact that they just went top, but they just, you know, busted loose for five goals in this game. And after, after they, they polished off this big win and went top, he said, I don't see us as a top team yet. We don't know what we're capable of yet. But we need more structure in our game before we can call ourselves a top team. We need a clear idea. Can we run more? Can we sprint more? Can we turn defense into attack quicker? These are the things that we need to be looking at self-critically. We're working on it. It's interesting that in a lot of ways, the things that he's zeroing in on, it seems, is this running more, sprinting more, turning defense into attack quicker. These are all things out of that Red Bull playbook. And he is a 100% Red Bull coach. He wants to have a sort of Umschaltspiel, that sort of transition game working at, at all cylinders. And we saw that at junctures in this game. We've seen that at junctures at other points for, for Gladbach this season. But I think he's right. They, they, they aren't quite there yet. And they've lost two defenders. The German international, Matthias Ginter and Leiner, both went off injured. Yeah. So those are going to be two big losses if they're out for a, a larger point of time but yeah he's he's got them playing that style of football it seems to be the modern style of football the players are comfortable getting more comfortable with it they're expressing themselves and they demolished Augsburg who had their problems in defense especially yeah so yeah let them enjoy their ride at the top of the Bundesliga that's uh, they play um, Borussia Dortmund next up in Dortmund so that's going to be an interesting game for you know, Marco Royce, ex Club Gladbach, Lucien Favre, of course, uh, Torgan Hazard. It's, it's going to be a that's going to be a real uh, nice matchup in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, they've got Dortmund in uh, in the league and in the cup ah, as well. So right. I think there's a there could be a, an interesting two parter. You know, especially if one of those two teams could perhaps get the better of the other twice in a row. That could uh, <laughs> create some narratives, let's just say. Interestingly, it, you know, we saw in some ways last season Marco Rosa's predecessor, Dieter Hecking, try and do some new things tactically and found some some new players to sort of get things out of that maybe had had not quite brought the goods in, in years previous. I mean, one of them, Torgan Azar, uh, earned himself a move away. He, he looked so good last year. But, you know, other players who had sort of either underperformed or had been sent out on loan came back to Gladbach and did well. And lo and behold, you know, Marco Rosa has been able more or less to do the same thing. I mean, you know, Dennis Zakaria has has really looked much improved this season. Brael Embolo, who of course had disappointed for Schalke in past years, has has looked a lot more useful. I mean, Laszlo Benesch, who 
another guy who sort of had been, you know, thrown towards the the second division scrap heap has come back from Kiel and and is, you know, become a, a Stammspieler, a guy who's basically first choice for a team like this. It's it's very interesting the way that Rosa has taken a look at his raw materials and and sort of shuffled things a little bit. Maybe it's, uh, you know, these are players who fit much better into his system than than previous regimes. Absolutely. And they've done it all without Lars Stindl, who's who's coming back from a serious injury. And <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Lars who? Yeah, exactly. And Fabian Johnson, who's been out with a back injury, struggling with that. But he's, he's played a couple of games before getting injured. So it, they have a decent squad, much in club, but it's going to be interesting to see how long they can uh, ride it out at the top. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's good to see some of those more traditional sides doing doing well. Indeed, indeed. And, and you know, one thing that I love about uh, Marco Rosa is, is how much he just sort of, he ups the handsome man quotient in the Bundesliga coaches' ranks. I mean, he, he looks like a, like a, a shampoo commercial or, or a stock photo model. You know, when you're, when you're seeing those uh, renderings of, of people, you know, attractive middle-aged couples shopping for luxury condos. You know, it, it's Marco Rosa who you're thinking of, the kind of guy who's got... You think so? Yeah. Not, not Martin Schmidt of Augsburg or Dieter Hecking of Hamburg. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, that's that's when you're when you're opening the new Lidl. That's uh, that's who you have in the, in the, the, the picture. <laughs> Neto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks good in a sweater and a scarf, let's just say. All right, well, do you have anything... anything uh, Further, you want to hit on in this uh, the leading pack? I think we have a lot more to talk about after a break in the rest of match day seven. Well, Schalke missed their chance. That was personally disappointing. They had, you know, playing some lovely football oh. under David Wagner. They had so many chances to beat Cologne, and uh, you know, I was watching that game and I said to my wife, "They're gonna, you know, how football works. They haven't taken these chances. Cologne are gonna get a chance, and they did, and they got the equaliser, and then Schalke." Could have gone top, of course, on Saturday Saturday evening. All right, we will move on to the rest of Match Day 7 after a short break. Okay, so we are back with the rest of Match Day 7. We've done the best, but there's actually a little bit more best to squeeze in in this rest section of the podcast. You know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Wolfsburg, who got a 1-0 win over Union Berlin. It was a kind of a, a just-enough kind of performance from the Bundesliga's only unbeaten team to, well, uh, remain unbeaten. And, oh yeah, go second in the league. Josip Brekalo to Vout Vekhorst. That is a, a combo that is chugging along as a very effective attacking log line. How strong do you judge Wolfsburg to be? I have actually quite a lot of confidence in this team. I'm not certain that they are a team who's going to set the world alight, but I will be very surprised if they don't get themselves into Europe at the end of the season. Well, absolutely, Matt. They've got a good sporting director there at Wolfsburg, Jörg Schmacker, who's, who's done a lot of good work at various Bundesliga clubs. And uh, now with this new coach from Austria, was it Oliver Glasner? Indeed. Um, yeah, so they've they they built on the squad that did well under or did well despite Bruno Labbadia. <laughs> so they've got it got a lot going for them. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say. Getting on to the other sort of team who could have done a little bit more this weekend. That was uh, Schalke 04. They were at home to Cologne. 
things really looked good for them for a good little while. Things looked so good that their fans were beginning to taste the sweet, sweet nectar of the Spitzenreiter liqueur. And then in injury time, Jonas Hector had other ideas. Yeah, such a shame for Schalke. They were they were top for about 20 minutes there and uh, playing some lovely football once they you know, broke the uh, deadlock through Serdar in the 72nd minute. They had lots of chances to seal the win. And, uh, yeah, they were punished right at the end by the, uh, the goal from Hector, which uh, kept Schalke off the top of the table. Oh, you know, and they were looking good for their fifth win on the trot, of course, as well. So whether they'll get another chance to top the Bundesliga, I seriously doubt it because, you know, they started the season slowly and, uh, you know, dropped points. But, you know, the, it doesn't take much, you know, for Schalke fans to start believing. And they're winning four games in a row, albeit, you know, three of them, was it Mainz and, and Paderborn, the likes of them? But they really got things going with a with a win at Leipzig, which um, really got people, you know, startled by that because that was a really impressive win. So, you know, he's done a good job so far, David Wagner, and uh, he hasn't got the same expectations or pressure perhaps as previous incumbents in the job. He's got no European football to look forward to, so he can concentrate on the Bundesliga, which you know at Schalke. You can do a lot of a lot of good things. Look at Tedesco's season there when they came second to Bayern Munich. You know when they didn't have any European football to concentrate, and they would just focus on the Bundesliga, and he took them to second. So you know anything's possible there with uh, David Wagner in his first season as coach. Yeah, let's let's talk about the other side of that game for just a moment. You know, Cologne, of course, snatched that draw from really the the depths of despair uh, at the very very late juncture. I think they actually started that game pretty well, and 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 mm. you know had had some real trouble towards the middle portions of that game. But looking at them and Union Berlin and Paderborn, I mean, these teams are all you know promoted sides, and you look at them on the table, and they are. Bottom, second bottom, third bottom. Are you surprised to see Cologne down with that group? Because really a lot of people viewed this team, the way that they were constructed and the way that they, you know, had a, a lot of wind in their sails coming into the season as, as being a much stronger promoted side than, than the other two. But it has not borne out thus far. Well, they've got uh, a lot of strikers who aren't scoring goals. Cordoba hasn't scored in the Bundesliga for over, you know, what is it, 21, 22 games. Yeah. Modest hasn't done anything since he's come back from China. Yeah, and Tiroda was his top scorer in the, in the Bundesliga second division last season. He, he's looked the most likely to score, but he's, you know, not a top-level striker if, if we're being completely fair. And still the same sort of issues uh, exist with the rest of the team are they up to the top level you know it's going to be a long season for them but looking at the table there's probably two or three worse sides than Cologne at this stage if that's any consolation to FC Cologne I don't know but Paderborn look to be struggling Mainz aren't great let's face it so Union Berlin you know, they beat Berlin, uh, beat Borussia Dortmund 3-1. Um, so, 
anything's possible in this league. It's very difficult. The, the, the most difficult league to tip after the Bundesliga is the Bundesliga second division because that's even more of a head case. You can never get results right in that league. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What did you make of Paderborn versus Mainz? I mean, Mainz did eke out the results in that game and, you know, put a little bit more distance between themselves and the very bottom of the league. But, man, Paderborn... I really like the way that they play. I really like watching them play. I like the, mm. the bravery that they show. I like the fact that they are committed to getting numbers forward quickly. But they're good to give up about you know two or three goals in just about every game. Absolutely. I think they've scored in every game, Matt. Yep. They and they've conceded 19, which is you know the, the most poorest defense <laughs> yeah. along with Augsburg. It's between two and three. <laughs> so, you know, that you could... In their three-two defeat against Bayern, they've got the talent to actually win games in the Bundesliga. But they really need to start. You know, once get that first win, I expected them to really, you know, go close against Mainz this weekend. Maybe they could have, but they missed a penalty. You can't. You know, that's not going to help you win games. Missing a penalty or basically passing it to the goalkeeper for him to save or well, yeah that wasn't great from Collins the, the penalty you know the bit of obviously you know, the commentator I was watching it the commentator was saying he's, he's, he's not taken penalties for them before only in the penalty shootout so why is he taking a penalty yeah I don't know I don't know. Stefan Baumgart was a striker himself. You know, he will, he will know the answer to, to that question. Uh, but it looks to be, uh, you know, the likes of Union Berlin, Fortuna Dusseldorf, Augsburg. You know, the, those are the sort of sides along for a long, long relegation battle along with Paderborn. Cologne should should have the quality to to move out. But maybe we said that a couple of seasons ago, Matt. That you know, Peter Struger, you know, after qualifying for the Europa League and uh, all that, they went on a season. You know, they just couldn't couldn't do anything, could they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thought they would snap out of it at some point, but that just never quite came. I'm going to say the same thing about Hoffenheim. How mediocre they've been, yeah, up until Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just just shows you how things quickly can change. So. Yeah, they were yeah. probably the team in which I had been most disappointed thus far this season. But, you know, they, they shut me right up. Absolutely. They shut most of Germany up. You know, everyone was, you know, waxing lyrical about Bayern Munich, how great they are. And then, you know, just a few days later, I expect you could have earned a lot of money if you put money on Hoffenheim to beat Bayern Munich on Saturday. Yeah, that would have been a very, very strange thing to do. However, <laughs> we had a couple of other results from the weekend, which we, I think we can go over fairly quickly. Eintracht and Werder Bremen, pretty wild series of, of shots which hit the woodwork in the, the early stage of this game for both sides before Davy Klaassen broke things open partway through the, the first half. Eintracht had really much the better of things in the second half and thought they'd done enough to win after uh, Sebastian Roda and Andre Silva had gotten a couple of goals to put them up 2-1 late. But, you know, just like Schalke, Eintracht were were given a rude awakening. This time it was a penalty kick for Werder Bremen. Milit Rashica changed that narrative. These are two teams that I feel like there's a little bit more in the tank than, than where they've been so far. Uh, I mean, ninth place and 11th place. I would not be surprised to see these two teams take it up a couple of notches from here. Yeah, Bremen are 
only going to improve. I think they've had a horrible run of injuries, uh, missing you know most of their defence. Yeah, Omar Toprak was signed. Yeah, he got injured right away. I think they will they will get stronger towards the winter break. Frankfurt, you know, they they played a lot of games already. This Europa League is a bit of a poison chalice, you know. And Frankfurt have got a lot of expectations because of how well they did in the competition last year. And you know, it's have they got the sort of squad that can cope with playing on a Thursday and Sunday or a Thursday on a Monday? So I like the couple. I like their coach. I think he he's he's one. A really progressive type of coach, Adi Hutter. I like the football that they play. I love the atmosphere. I always love going to Frankfurt. It's the for me, it's the best atmosphere in German football. And I think they're in for another good season. But they need to steer clear of injuries. They've already lost their goalkeeper, Kevin Trapp, with a you know busted his shoulder. So that's not great news. Um, yeah, it's these two sides will probably finish. I'd say Frankfurt sixth or seventh, Bremen top eight. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I I think this is going to be an interesting race between, you know, those two sides and maybe maybe a couple others who have that sort of outer European aspirations, if not uh, <laughs> lofty Champions League aspirations. One team who who sort of entered the season in that category and thought they might be foolish to have thought so, but things have turned around very quickly for, is Hertha BSC. They were 3-1 winners at home uh, against Dusseldorf, I guess, when it's working it's working. Uh, and that goes not just for Hertha, but uh, so said Vedat Ibisevic, who followed up his two-goal performance last week in Cologne with another very big goal at home. He evened things up at 1-1 after Dusseldorf had gotten an early penalty. Javairo Dilrosson seemed to be taking notes on uh, on Vedo's goal. He put in a very, very similar one-timed right-footed strike from across from the right wing to put Hertha in the lead for good, as it turned out. Don't Lukabaki, of course, got a, a very brief appearance in the second half and laid on the third goal in that fairly routine win. Do you reckon that uh, the sort of the storm has passed for Hertha? I mean, they do have a pretty pivotal game coming up at Bremen after the uh, international break, which may tell us a bit more than, you know, wins against three pretty weak sides over the last few weeks. Well, I saw Hertha t- during the opening you know, weekend or the Friday, the first Bundesliga, and they, they played some lovely football on that night, and they yeah. exposed Bayern's defensive frailties. It was a 2-2 draw, a good start for them. But they you know, they soon you know, started losing, and everyone was you know, saying Ante Kovac is under pressure. They've got those three wins that you talked about. They've got some really good attacking players and a decent goalkeeper in really Jarstein. So expect Hertha to be one of those sides like Frankfurt and Werder Bremen pushing for the, the top eight. Is that enough for Hertha Berlin after their investment? You know, the, the capital city side is always, you know, the expectations are, are they realistic? They certainly have a lot of good attacking talent playing some nice football but the defense is is that tight enough to really you know go looking for a top six spot Matt you you will know better than me you watch them more often and that has been our Achilles heel this season or at least in the first several weeks of the season I mean there was a lot of just individual errors either you know the 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 horrible 
own goal fest against Schalke or, or in, in, you know, writ a bit smaller in some of the other games early in the season where things weren't going their way. I mean, they've, they've, they've had some, some games where they played fairly well, but just let in some dumb chances. But this guy, Di Rosson, he's really turned it around. He's been the man as he scored in each of those victories. And he's, you know, since he's come back into the team or got recovered from injury, they've seemed to be a, a more potent attacking force. And they have a lot of talent on the bench not being used. Kalou, Lukabaka was a sub on Friday night. Selka was a sub and, you know, Ibizovic is always going to get his goals. You've just you know, got to you know, rotate him and use him sensibly. Because if you start him every game, he's not, he's not, uh, he gets, I don't know, he's, he's getting on there, Martin, like, like we all are. <laughs> yeah, indeed. He's, he's, he's just about as old as me. Not really. <laughs> okay, that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Really nice to have you back on the podcast, Mark. It had been too long. Yeah, I think so. It's been 10 months, it said on my Skype, Matt. So, uh, yeah, I hope you've uh, survived well without me and had a, had a good summer. And it's certainly been a great start to the Bundesliga. Absolutely. It was a great summer. It's the, it's the good part of the year in Wisconsin. And, uh, yes, I am pleased as punch with how the Bundesliga has gotten started, especially now that uh, a certain team from Berlin has gotten themselves on track. Anyway, uh, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Level Lowdown. You can read his work at Who Scored, among other places. If you want to reach out to me, at Mr. Matt Herman on Twitter is probably the easiest way to do so. Please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods. Leave us a rating. That is a big help. Talking Football Fantasy with JT and Flo will be back once the international break is winding down, but we will try to have some content on the way before then to tide you over. Anyway, this is some next to all, y'all. 